Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, today we are looking at David and Bathsheba. But before we jump into chapters 11 and 12 of 2 Samuel, I just want to remind you of Hannah's prayer way back in chapter 2 of 1 Samuel. If you remember, it was during the time of the judges, and Hannah cried out to the Lord for a son, for she was barren. And the Lord answered her prayer with Samuel, who became the transitional priest to introduce the kingdom. In Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving, she said that the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. And then she goes on and said that the Lord lifts up the lowly and brings down the arrogant. My Old Testament professor said that this is seen all throughout the book of First and Second Samuel. And that is what we will see today in these two chapters of the Bible. King David was once just a shepherd boy, and now he has been risen up as an established king of Israel. But now his pride and arrogance is going to quickly bring him down. One time I heard a pastor say that the sin of David and Bathsheba falls with Bathsheba because she tried to seduce King David. Now, ladies, how can we know that this pastor is dead wrong? because of the text. And that is what I want to make sure that you see today. So chapter 11 begins, and it came to pass after the years were expired at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. So just this one verse sets the stage so clearly. Number one, it was the time for kings to go to war, but David sent Joab and the men. David chose not to go. Instead, he sent Joab in his place. Number two, we have seen other cases where Joab started off the fighting and then David came toward the end. But here, the passage says that the battle was going great. They had besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still in Jerusalem. So he still chose to stay home instead of doing his duty. Now, take a look at the subjects and verbs of these next few verses. David arose, David walked, David saw, and David sent and David inquired, and David sent, and David took her, and she came unto him, and he lay with her, and she returned to her house. Verse 5, and the woman conceived, and sent, and told David, and said, I am with child. Because of the word usage, we see that David is the initiator, until Bathsheba conceives, and then she sent, and she told David. Now David has a problem. His hidden sin is no longer hidden. What to do? Hmm. Now let's keep going. Verse 6, David sent to Joab. It says, send me Uriah. 
Verse 7, David demanded of Uriah, and David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. But Uriah did not go. He stayed with all the servants of the Lord. The next day, David said to Uriah, Why didn't you go home? Uriah answered, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. How can I go home? And then he says, I will not do this thing. It continues, and David said, and David called him, and David got him drunk. And even then, Uriah would not go. One of my Sunday school teachers made comment and said, What did Uriah want to do? Then he pointed out that when one is drunk, it lowers your inhibitions. He then pointed out that Uriah still did not sleep with his wife because he did what he truly wanted to do. Uriah is an extremely honorable man, and he is in strong contrast to King David right now. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by Uriah. And it said, Set Uriah on the front lines and pull back that he may get struck and die. Joab did exactly what the king commanded. After it was done, Joab sent a messenger to David and said to the messenger, Tell David how bad the war is going right now, and if he gets mad, just tell him that Uriah the Hittite is dead also. It seems that when the messenger came, he did not even give David a chance to respond without telling him that Uriah the Hittite is now dead. Now in verse 25, David sends comforting words to Joab. Let not this thing displease you. Verse 26, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead. She mourned for her husband. Verse 27. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. In verse 25, David writes, Let not this displease you. And then in verse 28, we get what David had done displeased the Lord. Again, David was the initiator in all of this. And the Bible says the thing that David did displeased the Lord. Also keep in mind that this is not a democracy. The king rules. He is the sovereign power of the land. Except for a time, King David forgot that there is an even higher sovereign power. And God is about to remind him. Now in chapter 12, who is the subject? And the Lord. And what did the Lord do? The Lord sent Nathan to David. Now the way that the Lord and Nathan approached King David was brilliant. He didn't go in and say, you sinner. Nathan told a story of a rich man that stole from a poor man who only had one female lamb. This story enraged King David. David's judgment on that man was, as the Lord lives, that man will die. And he will restore four times the lamb that he took because he did this thing and because he had no pity. 
And Nathan said to David, You are the man. Then God is the subject again. God says to David, The Lord God of Israel said, I anointed you king. I delivered you from Saul. I gave your master's house. And I gave your master's wives. And I gave you Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough for you, I would have given you more. However, you despise the commandments of the Lord to do evil in his sight. You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you have taken his wife to be your wife, and you have slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. The punishment fits the crime. Because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife, thus saith the Lord. Behold, I will rise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he will lie with them in the sight of all. You did it secretly, but I will do this before all Israel." Then we have verse 13, And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Because of that, because David acknowledged his sin, Nathan said, The Lord has put away your sin, and you will not die. However, because this deed has given great reason for the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, The child born unto you will surely die. Nathan departed. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David. It was very sick. David sought God. This time it does not say the personal name of the Lord, but just God. David sought God. David fasted, and he stayed on the floor for seven days until the child died. When David found out the child was dead, he got up, washed himself, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. And then he went home and ate. This surprised the servants because they thought David would be devastated. But David explained, while the child was alive, who knows, maybe God would be gracious to me and let him live. But now he's dead. I can't bring him back. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved Solomon. And the Lord sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet the news that God hath called him Jedidiah because of the Lord. And then that battle that Uriah died in against the children of Ammon, Joab had overtaken the royal city, and he told David to get up here or else I will get the glory for this battle. So King David went up and his people and David conquered. They took the king's crown and put it on King David's head, and they plundered the city and brought it back to Jerusalem. King David was forgiven. He confessed his sin but it will never be the same. 
Dr. Vickers, one of my seminary professors, reminded us that Israel thought if they had a godly king, that they would arrive, prophecy fulfilled. Yet he shared with us that this story, it never reaches an end point. They thought, now we're getting somewhere. David is now our man. We have his mighty men. Everybody loves him. And he can't do it. The story of the Bible has ups and downs, ups and downs. The story relentlessly never resolves. Dr. Vicker said, it is unbroken dissonance that never resolves. Even when the Messiah comes in the New Testament and Jesus is alive, there are ups and downs until finally he says it is finished when he's dying on the cross. And yet the Messiah dies? How does victory come from death? God's ways are much higher than our ways. Because Christ died, he then arose. And someday when Christ comes again, we will then see that unshakable kingdom and we will see the everlasting kingdom. As we read through this Bible, both Old and New Testament, we see unlikely people whom God raises up and people say, that must be God. That's why when David messed up so badly, when people look at him, they say, is that God? One thing, as I look at the struggles of the people of the Bible, I think if God can use them, then God can use me. If God can use them, then God can use you too. So how does this story affect your life today? What jumps out at you? Are you in a wrong place at a wrong time and you need to get right? Have you totally disregarded God's laws and his ways? And do you need to confess your sin and turn back? Even after these multiple bad choices, David is still used by God. And it is through Solomon that Jesus is born. One of the things I love, love, love about God is that he can take our broken pieces, our nothingness, our wounds, our tears, and he can redeem it and make it into something beautiful and even radiant, and it can bring him glory. Wherever you are in your life, ladies, today if you hear his voice, if he's speaking to you, let's not harden our hearts. But instead, let's be obedient and repentant and turn back to the Lord like David did. God is able to turn our mourning into dancing and then into praise. Thank you so much for listening today. And may the Lord bless. Bye.